So I literally was outside in my car waiting at 8.59 till 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, I rang his doorbell. And he knew that I was greener than green could be, but somehow he took a chance on me. Welcome to the Broker Lord Podcast. I'm Derek Walchek, and today's guest is a prince of a man. Clearly, Mark has done a ton in his career, but you wouldn't know it. He is an incredibly humble and kind person. It's easy to forget that he's brokered in excess of $2.5 billion in real estate transactions in his career. His firm is regularly honored for being a sales leader in Colorado, and that's not too bad for a guy who started selling mountaintop vacation lots. He also plays a mean guitar, but we'll get to that later. But first, a word from Shannon Walchek, because they're the ones who make the Broker Lord podcast possible. The Broken Lord Podcast is brought to you by the commercial real estate professionals at Shannon Walchak. Currently, Shannon Walchak is seeking unanchored retail strip centers in growing metro markets in the South and Midwest. With $75 million in buying power, Shannon Walchak is ready to close on the right properties. The ideal centers are between 10 and 40,000 square feet, are located in affluent neighborhoods, have a high concentration of service and food tenants, and can be bought at a seven cap or better. Do you have a center that fits this profile? Then Derek Walchak wants to talk to you. Email dw at shanwalt.com. That's dw at s-h-a-n-w-a-l-t.com. Today, we're talking with Mark Lippitt from Unique Properties in Denver, Colorado. When thinking about Colorado, Mark was an easy choice because he's done it all. Over the course of his career, he's touched almost every aspect of commercial real estate brokerage, acquisitions, sales, management, market analysis, development, and finance on numerous projects throughout Colorado. I caught up with Mark at a conference in Las Vegas. So I'm here with uh, Mark Lippitt with Unique Properties in, out of Denver, Colorado. Um, welcome. Well, thank you very much. How, I'm just curious to start off with, how did, uh, how did you come up with Unique Properties as the name of your company? Well, I really wanted a name of a company that would uh, not define any one particular aspect of real estate. And I wanted something that would be able to be used no matter where it ended up. Mm-hmm. And at the time, honestly, I didn't have a clue where it would end up. So Unique sounded like a pretty good name. That's long before they have Unique Pizza now, Unique yeah. uh, Delivery, Unique Dry Cleaning. But it was Unique for a long time. That's good. Does, uh, I'm wondering, has the name, you know, being unique and different, has the name sort of informed the way y'all have behaved as a company and the your characteristics and kind of how you work? Well, I'd like to think so, certainly. Um, unique Properties is unique in many different facets because I like to think we are different than most real estate companies, mm-hmm. and we've been around for over four decades. Wow. That's a long time. Some days. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you were you were telling me before we started rolling tape about um, how you started the company and kind of where you came from. Why don't you give that backstory if you don't more mind. or less how I got into real estate? Essentially, okay. Well, when I was graduated from University of Denver, I decided that I was going to stay in Denver and I needed a job. And in those days, there was newspapers as opposed to the internet. And so I looked in the newspaper, and there was a ad that said uh, public relations. 
because I didn't want to be, quote, a salesman because I grew up working for my father selling in the retail business. And What did your dad do? He owned a, a retail clothing store called Fred Lippett for Your Children in Plainfield, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Okay. And so from the time I was around seven or eight years old, I worked with him and for him and decided, well, now that I'm college educated, I should probably not be a salesman. I probably should have maybe more lofty goals. So I answered the ad and went to a meeting to learn that this was a company that did public relations, but their public relations really amounted to trying to get people to go look at mountain property to buy a second home. Nice. And I had no clue what I was doing. And all I know is I showed up with a polyester suit and a and a briefcase to match. What color was the suit? It was it was kind of burgundy. Was it? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, there wasn't anything in the briefcase, and as it turns out, they hired me. And so what happened was we've joked about that for years later afterwards. They said, what was in that briefcase? And I said, nothing. <laughs> so anyway, I worked for this company, and I sold basically land in Cripple Creek, Colorado, and this is before gambling. Okay. I sold real estate without realizing I was selling real estate. You didn't need a license in those days. Oh, wow. And at some point, uh, one of the other competitors came to me and said, you know, would you like to work for another competing mountain property sales? And I said, no, I really, you know, I'm okay where I am. Long story short, he ended up becoming the uh, manager of a real estate company in commercial real estate, called me and said, would you like to do something a little bit more spectacular? And I said, sure. (laughs) So I worked for this real estate company called Kirsten Voigt. It's really the only other company I worked for. Okay. And I got into the apartment aspect of real estate because nobody wanted to be in it. It was literally like the army. When three people move backwards, you look like you're the first person in line. So so why didn't people want to be in the apartment? Well, for some reason, nobody was really enchanted with it. And this goes back a number of decades. But the, the takeaway was I didn't have a clue what I was doing. They didn't have a training program. And because I wasn't trained, I didn't know what to do to find owners. It's not like today. Right. So I was told by the gentleman I work for, Mark, if you go out there and you find me some apartments for sale, I got buyers. So I didn't know what to do. There wasn't anybody really to ask. So we went to Safeway and it's equivalent of like uh, Publix or Kroger. Kroger, yeah. And they had books for people coming into town which if you wanted to rent an apartment, you'd call the the uh, the apartment complex. Yeah, like I didn't an apartment know I, guide. Right, apartment guide, exactly right. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but so I started calling all these people from the apartment guide. And I got managers who would say, well, you know, I'm not the owner and I'll give them the message or whatever. Right. And I ended up calling one particular owner's four buildings And he called me back. He was a colonel (laughs) and about tore me up and and said, what the hell are you doing, young man, calling all my buildings? And I said, well, I I have a buyer because I believed it. 
and his name was Colonel Paul J. Jones. Okay. And I was so green, I didn't know what future value was, amortization, okay, nothing. And he said to me, young man, you may come to my house tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Do you know what 9 o'clock means? That's where the big hand, and I said, yes, sir. And so I literally was outside in my car waiting at 8.59 till 9 o'clock. Right. And 9 o'clock, I rang his doorbell. And he knew that I was greener than green could be, but somehow he took a chance on me. And literally, that, that man ended up helping me get into the business because I had four listings from him. Right. And... I would have to go home at night and read what what he was talking about because he would be talking about uh, he maybe do an owner carry or a purchase money mortgage or whatever yep. and I I'd shake my head and he knew I didn't know what I was doing right but so he, you just write the word down I and go home word, and figure yep. it out. Long story short, it took me about a year and a half to sell all of his buildings and I had to trade them, so I got into a situation where he had a 40 unit and in order to sell it, we had to take a 20 unit and trade and then sell the 20 unit. So all these kinds of transactions. Lots of fees. Well, there were not only lots of fees, but it was also experience. Sure. Okay. And the end of the story is that um, he still was a client of mine into his 90s. And when he ultimately died in his will, he willed me, not the building, unfortunately, but the <laughs> listing provided we could justify it because it was an estate situation. But sure. I was in his will as, you know, the listing will go to unique properties. Colonel Jones. Colonel J- Paul J. Jones, yep. That's fantastic. You know, everybody, uh, I think, who's made it has some stories like that where somebody took a chance, you know, and uh, you're able to turn it into something. I, it, without him giving me the opportunity, never would have gone from there to the next step. Yeah, and I can tell by your face you're grateful. I'm very grateful. And from there, I became fairly successful. And after about a year and a half, ventured off with a couple other guys and formed unique properties. And so what year was that? Probably remember? around 1974 or so. Okay. Wow. It's been a while. It has been a while. Is it more than four decades? I can't do the math real yeah, quick. Yeah, it actually is. I okay. think four decades sounds like you've been doing it long enough. <laughs> you should at least know everything there is to uh, to know. So we're I'm still learning. That's what's really great about the business. Every day you learn something. Isn't that true? Your first ownership deal after you opened Unique Properties, the first building that you bought. Well, what? the first building I had an interest in, I didn't buy it. All by myself, I couldn't afford that. Sure. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get into real estate is I'd always heard that if you did have money or made money, you were going to put it into a number of different investments, real estate certainly being one of them. Oil and gas, stocks, other alternatives, but people like real estate. And I thought, if I'm on the front line, I'll be able to see deals and be able to take a look at things and know something about the business as opposed to just trust someone else and go in blindly. Sure. So one of the first deals I was involved with, I had an interest in what's called a sale leaseback, a triple net investment. 
And it was really a good first type of purchase because, number one, I was able to put a group together to buy it. We had a small group of friends and family. Mm-hmm. We were able to earn a commission, keep the doors open, keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And then we had basically a small management fee. So as we owned the property, and it didn't really require a great deal of management, we were able to have an income stream. So how did you find the deal? How, how, did, this, how did the opportunity present itself? Well, we were in the marketplace, obviously, as brokers, and this particular owner had a number of properties, and he needed to raise some money, and he wanted to keep the property and basically lease it back and sublease it to other tenants. So it was could have been considered almost even a financing alternative for him. And so that was how we ended up buying a couple of those buildings. It wasn't necessarily on the market as a sale leaseback like you see today. Somebody wants to buy a Walgreens. Somebody right. wants to buy a Family Dollar, a Goodyear. But we created that type of a transaction. And I think it was a little bit forward thinking because we were trying to create a deal that didn't necessarily exist when we looked at it, mm-hmm. but we turned it into a deal. Did you hear that? This is a common theme in our conversations on the Broker Lord podcast, and that's that a broker kept their ears open for a great opportunity to meet the needs for a client. In this case, it was a sale leaseback where Mark bought the property and he leased it back to his client. And this really created a win-win for both parties. Mark had much less risk by buying a building that already had or that would have a lease on the property, and the tenant achieved their financial goals as well. And that's where our knowledge of the market, financing options, and client needs is critical. We can present a full range of options that benefits all parties and generate additional fees and income streams for our business. A lot of times the ownership opportunity comes from trying to solve a client's need in a unique way or a different way. That's correct. You know, inherent in that, however, is you you potentially can run into conflicts of interest because you you are going to benefit as the broker from the ownership. How do you approach that? Well, that's a, a really good question. And sometimes if you're going into a transaction as an advisor, it's an entirely different situation than the one I described, because at that point we were just talking and we weren't representing him as a broker. Okay. So it was clear to everyone that we were going to, in fact, be paid, but we weren't giving him advice as to a price and we weren't in a position that we had a conflict. However, the question's a really good question. And in today's day and age, when you do buy a property, there has to be full disclosure in our state. We have to put it in writing that we are licensed real estate agents. We are brokers. We are getting a commission. We go so far as to even say, and we intend to make a profit on the property so that, you know, no one goes back later and says, well, wait a minute. Right. That makes sense. How did you originally find that opportunity? That particular opportunity was really more relationship-based than like most deals. You know, it's really hard to put your finger on the exact moment why you know somebody, why I'm here today. Right. That's fair. You know, you just... Yeah, why are you sitting in this hotel room in Las Vegas with me? (laughs) Oh, because we're at the same conference and you called me and I said to myself, um, I'll give this a shot because I've never done it before. So thank you for having me. So so Mark and I are at a conference. Uh, There's a a network called TCN Worldwide. 
And uh, TCN Worldwide is essentially a, a network of commercial brokerage offices around the world. Um, and we're, Shannon Walchek is part of that, as is Unique Properties. And so we're actually at our convention in Las Vegas as we record this right now. Tell me about a deal that you did that you're most proud of, an ownership deal. An ownership deal. Or you can actually take it however you want to. What, what's looking back, what's something that you're most proud of? Well, I suppose if I look back, there's not really one deal in particular that you know stands out and goes, wow, that was a life changer. Okay? But I would tell you that um, every deal that's completed, I'm proud of if everybody walks away happy. The deals that I think are probably most unusual – could probably be some of the deals that maybe take you from being maybe scared of how am I going to get through the next month or how am I going to, you know, survive to a different level. And there's a reference that people talk about sometimes in real estate called a, a flip. And people use the word flip very flippantly, no pun intended. <laughs> but people will talk about, I bought this property and I fixed it up and I flipped it. Right. Okay. There's a little bit more complex and complicated way of interpreting that called when you have control of a contract and you assign the contract prior to closing for money. It's rife with issues and disclosures and problems that can occur, but there were a number of deals when I was younger where we were able to, as a principal, tie up a property that we thought had good value. Perhaps somebody said, I want a million dollars for this property, but I'll take 800000 if you can close it in a week or two weeks. Right. Okay. But you know the property's worth a million. Ideally, the seller knows it's worth a million, but circumstances choose for him to say it's worth he it. He valued the uh, ready cash. Expediency and certainty of close. Sure. There were a number of deals like that when I was younger that we were able to take advantage of, not necessarily just economically moving quickly, but for one reason or another, and then assign the contract prior to actually coming up with the cash to close it. So some of those deals actually made a really, really difference because it put me in a different position where you weren't necessarily going paycheck to paycheck. You never know when an opportunity will present itself. And the scenario Mark described isn't uncommon. An anxious seller wants to move the property quickly and will accept a price far below the market value. And as brokers and investors, we have to be prepared for these opportunities. The biggest piece of the puzzle is having the financial assets and relationships in place before those opportunities pop up. And when you're starting out, that's usually in the form of additional investors. As your portfolio reputation and relationships develop and evolve, that's usually in the form of lines of credit, personal assets, and solid banking relationships. But the point is, be prepared for the unexpected deal that might show up at any moment. Build a list of contacts, bankers, contractors, site experts, so that you can jump on unexpected opportunities. What deal or at what point in time were you the most scared in your career? Every day. <laughs> um, I, I, that's a really good question. I, I can tell you there's been deals that I've been involved in that through no rhyme or reason 
had issues or problems, a, a, a property that was necessarily not necessarily in a flood zone ended up being affected by a hundred year flood. Wow. Okay. No flood insurance, I would assume. <clears throat> None. And if a week before that, you would have said, how would you like to buy flood insurance? We'd be saying, what are you kidding? Yeah. Right. So um, it turned out it was a building that was a large apartment building and it had a a lot of damage to about 50 units. Mm-hmm. And I was really concerned about the people, the property, oh, yeah. getting through it, trying to do the right thing. We had the best people we could hire to help us and got through it. But I think that one still comes to mind because it was only five years ago. And so that one came, comes to mind. You know, when you, when you think about real estate and you think about worst case, you know, it's like a you didn't get insurance and you should have and it burnt down or something or, you no, know. Worst case is somebody dies, right? So okay, that's it's not true. only the property, but, you know, it, it's the ancillary oh, fear. Wow. So it was, it was a frightening experience for me to be very candid. Yes. So what did you, I mean, how did you uh, kind of make it through that? I mean, it's a good question. And, you know, but for all the right things happening at the right time, you know, you can thank the Lord. You can thank just uh, circumstances. The market was improving. We've been in business a long time. Our lenders at the time was very, very understanding, had terrific partners and great counsel and great, great people around to help with sure. the situation. And we got through it because we were able to finance basically the restoration of the property. Okay. No one was hurt that ended up having any issues that we were aware of, and we were very concerned. That's and great. Tried to handle it the most appropriately way we could. The market improved, so we initially thought we were going to lose money on the property, and certainly couldn't sell it because of what happened and what you had to spend to fix it. Yeah, right. And then the market improved, and we ended up coming out fine. So it was it was a difficult deal. So, so looking back on that, what what, did, what are some things you learned? Well, clearly, one of the things, probably good advice for anyone, would be to have separate entities for separate deals. Okay, you know, so that you don't want to have it in your name particularly. You want to have it in the entity name of the of the uh, entity that owns the property, so you're not in a position where you're basically putting all your assets under one umbrella. I mean, that would be certainly lesson number one, mm-hmm. which. Fortunately, it was in a separate entity. Sure. So how many brokers do you guys have at your shop? You're supposed to ask how many people work for me. How many people work for you? About half of them. <laughs> um, actually, we have about 35 brokers okay. and probably another 15, 20 other transactional support staff and sure. people that are helping keep us afloat. So as far as them wanting to own real estate, is that something that is encouraged, is permitted, is how, how does, how do you handle that within your shop? That's a really good question. And actually one of the things that I think helps distinguish us and differentiate us from some companies is that because we are also owners and brokers, we, we encourage our guys to understand the business, own real estate, have it try and help economically change their lives. Absolutely. And so that you're not necessarily working every day, as I like to say, for lunch money, but you're doing it because you enjoy what you're doing. 
So, uh, so you've got 35 brokers plus staff. What are some common traits that you've observed in brokers, um, you know, that, that, that are, are common among your top producers? Well, I think probably, you know, the focus, determination, self-starters, um, <clears throat> the ability to, to not give up seem to run throughout all the brokers that do well. Plus, you know, getting up early, working late. I used to have this mantra that I would tell everybody, if you stay late, make that one more call, just one more call. When you're ready to go home, you're going to be successful. And last week I was at the office getting ready for this trip. But when I left, there were two brokers that were still there working. Right. And I went over to him and I said, you're going to be wildly successful because they're relatively new brokers. And they were there happily, you know, smile on their face, still exuberant. And, right. And they're going to get through to people because when you work late and you work hard like that, you're going to find that person will take your call because they're saying, obviously, you care. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Persistence. So let's say uh, a law is passed and Mark Libet's not allowed to practice real estate anymore. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> so uh, wh- what else would you do in this world for a living if, it, if you couldn't do real well, estate work? If I'm going to answer it in the here and now, I would probably have a different answer than if I was younger. Um, I happen to love music and I like the music business. And as a youngster, I had a rock and roll band and sang and wrote. And What was the name of your band? The Starfires. Nice. Yeah, everybody named bands after cars. So there were Corvettes and Stingrays and mine was the Starfires. So. Okay. Um, if I was going to try and make a living, however, I would probably stay in sales. Okay. Do you continue to find new artists that you like, or have you? Yes. Okay, so who are some relatively new bands? Well, there's, this is a twist on the question, but okay. Kenny Loggins, who was with Loggins and Messina, formed a, a band that he tours with sometimes called Blue Sky Riders. Okay. Okay, it's R-I-D-E-R-S. And Georgia Middleton and Gary Burr um, are also the other two people in the band, and they both have 20 number one hits that they've had individually. And I went to see them once recently, and they were amazing. They Mm -hmm. were really amazing. So, yes, the answer is I still look for new bands. I still try to hear new music. And um, there's so many talented new people today that there's there's a plethora of choices. I I think uh, uh, John Mayer is an amazing... Artists yeah, good. and Bruno Mars is mm-hmm. wonderful. So there's a lot of new music. Yeah, there's a station um, that I listen to daily. It's uh, it's called KCRW and it's out of Santa Monica, California. And uh, they have a show on there called Morning Becomes Eclectic, and it is fantastic. I bet it would it would hit your you would you would find some some new artists and some stuff. You'll have to write like. that down. I will. After I will. This is done for me. Thank I'll put you. that on the show notes as well for this. Thank you. Well, very good. Thank you for your time. This has been fantastic. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, it's been fun to do this. I've never done this before, so I can chalk one more up to a new experience. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Getting your free Broker Lord t-shirt is easy. Subscribe to the podcast and review it online. Then email us at derek at brokerlord.com. 
That's D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. Let us know your size and address, and the t-shirt is yours. Supplies are limited, so get your t-shirt today. As you could tell, I really enjoyed my time with Mark. He's such a kind, genuine person. Um, And also, did you note when I mentioned the idea of what's the worst thing that can happen when you own real estate, and I I threw out the idea that you forgot insurance and the building burned down and you lost all that money. Uh, And his point was, no, no, no. The worst thing that can happen is you you own real estate, somebody can die. I I honestly had not thought of that. That outcome never had a situation that came close to that, but obviously Mark had. But he really cared about people in that situation. I originally met Mark through TCN Worldwide, and he didn't ask me to say this, but if you are interested in getting into commercial real estate, you're in Denver or even Colorado, I'd give Mark a call and see if you could get a job because I can't imagine a better firm to work for. I thought it would be appropriate to have Mark minus the Starfires sing us out. If you have questions, send an email to Derek at BrokerLord.com. That's Derek with five letters, D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. I'd love to hear from you. Again, a special thanks to our sponsor, Shannon Walchek, a commercial real estate firm that offers property management, brokerage, and real estate investments. Find us on the web at ShanWalt.com. That's S-H-A-N-W-A-L-T.com. That love's light shined on you. Hit that subscribe button and follow me as I talk to brokers in all 50 states. I promise you it will be worth your time if you're a broker, a student, or you just want some really good facts to throw out at your next cocktail party. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Derek Walchuk, and this is the Broker Lord Podcast. Oh